Um, I have to tell you, this, this morning has been really, really heavy on my heart. Uh, it'll be potentially just a heavy sermon for us this morning. And so I don't want to sugarcoat anything. Uh, I just want to let you know out front. Um, you know, our, our lead pastors, ever since they found out that this weekend and really these weeks were going to be in the national spotlight, like Tulsa is in the national spotlight. And ever since they found that out, they, they knew that us as a staff and as pastors had to prepare for the conversations that were going to come from the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa Race Massacre. And we wanted to prepare ourselves in order to prepare the congregation for the conversations that were going to happen because honestly, this anniversary highlights brokenness, it highlights sin, it highlights uh, darkness, it highlights how something has been covered up in our city of Tulsa, in our state of Oklahoma, and in really the United States. Um, and so really, as, as a church and as pastors, we want to be able to be an, uh, just a biblical voice in your ear, uh, because we know that social media and news outlets are, are talking about this, and they're part of the conversation, but uh, as pastors, we want to encourage you to just continue to look at your Bible, to continue to look at your Bible and have it be the lens and the sunglasses that you use in order to see everything that's going on in the world, uh, in our culture, in our place, and uh, because really what, what we see is that all of us are sinners, and, and sin affects every aspect of life. And so I, I just don't want us to miss this this morning. I don't want us to miss this as a church as we turn our face to the Bible. Uh, and so we are gonna, we've been in this sermon series called Imago Day, and then we did it strategically to where the first two weeks were right before the anniversary, and then the next two weeks after that are right after the anniversary. Because what happened 100 years ago right here in Tulsa is wrong, totally wrong. And the way that people supported the killing of men and women in Tulsa is absolutely wrong. Uh, the fact that families were not helped uh, because of all of this is, is wrong, absolutely wrong. And the fact that this was covered up is absolutely wrong. And, you know, I want to stand with those who 100 years ago stood on the Bible, I want to stand with them and say the, the word of God is our firm foundation. And what they started to do is they were saying, all of those who participated in this whole act, repent, repent. And so they understood this thing that these sinners were sinning against God and against other people. And so with them, I want to stand in, 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 uh, on the word of God. And, and I want to understand something that they understood, that because they were sinners acting in sin against God and against others, they were really going against and distorting and devaluing the image of God because these were real people in a real place. And this is what this whole series is really about. We've been talking about the Imago Dei, the image of God. And last week, we looked at Genesis 1 about how humans were created in the image of God. And not only did God create and leave us, but he created us. And what I love what it says in Genesis 1 is that he breathed life into us. I'm pretty sure it even goes all the way to say, breathe into our nostrils. You know how close you need to be to someone to breathe into their nostrils? You have to be really close. Like, like I don't think you want me breathing in your nostrils, but that's how close God was. So from the very beginning, from creation, God has been so close to us, and he breathed a spirit into us, and now uh, we are human beings who can uh, walk with him. But as we saw in that Genesis passage, 
is that though man was created and walked in, in this perfect presence of God with this perfect God, human beings began to feel this like selfishness. They wanted to be selfish and be their own God. They wanted to be their own kings and queens. So then they disobey the one true God, and that's what separates them. And what's so fascinating is that God, instead of judging them and just killing them off and starting all over, he showed mercy. Mercy triumphed over judgment. That the Lord of all lords said, well, here are the consequences of your sin, but I still love you. This is what we see, and so in this whole series, we're going to see why is humanity created? What purpose uh, does humanity serve? How does sin affect every aspect of life? And then we're going to see that uh, sin produces selfishness, and then selfishness produces favoritism. And so that's why we're going to look at James chapter 2. But I want to make sure I say something really, really clearly before we start. Though racism is real and true, though favoritism is real and it exists, all of that exists and is real, racism is not the problem. The problem is sin. The root of every single problem, the root of everything that we see going on that's wrong with the world is sin itself. And like I said, sin produces selfishness and selfishness produces favoritism. And so I want us to turn to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. So as you turn to James chapter 2, just two things I want you to notice about James is James is actually uh, the brother of Jesus who shares the same physical mother as him. Now, not the same dad, of course, because Mary uh, was a virgin, but this is as someone who considers himself a brother of Jesus with the same physical mom, and he was honestly a leader uh, in the church, and he gives some really practical wisdom. So if you ever read James, it's just really practical, and it's just really nice. And so one thing about James as he writes this is that he writes to the 12 tribes of Israel, and in this specific part, he erases the whole idea and the whole notion that we can treat one human being better than, better than another. He erases that whole thing. He says all of us have dignity. That's what he's talking about. So if you're in James chapter 2, let's go ahead and read together. And let's stand together as we read. So it says this. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy clo old clothes comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, you have not discriminated amongst, have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, Love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing right. If you love, or, but if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. 
For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not commit murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And this is the word of the Lord. And praise be to God. Amen. Amen. And so this morning, I've already said it, but I want you to write it down if you haven't already. So the big sermon idea for for us this morning is that selfishness produces favoritism. Selfishness produces favoritism. And when I say favoritism, I'm not talking about the kind of favoritism that's like, hey, I like this kind of chocolate more than this kind of chocolate. Or my favorite ice cream, and this is my favorite ice cream, my favorite ice cream is cookies and cream ice cream and not strawberry. I'm not talking about that kind of favoritism. I'm talking about more of maybe some of your Bibles say partiality. I'm talking about a a kind of favoritism that makes someone the object of our attention in order to gain something from them. It makes them the object of our attention in order to gain something from them. And so the first little part that we're going to look at in James chapter 2 is verses 1 to 7. Verses 1 to 7. And so here in verse 1, it says this. It says, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Again, James is really practical. He's like, hey, don't show favoritism because favoritism distorts the image of God. And so that's actually going to be our first point for us. So we've seen our sermon idea. Here's our first point is that favoritism distorts the Imago Dei. Favoritism distorts the Imago Dei. So it distorts the image of God. Why does that happen? Well, because when we show this kind of favoritism or partiality to gain something from someone, we see them as objects. We see these people as objects rather than seeing them as people to love. And so it says don't show favoritism. So honestly, if, from the context, you can probably tell that they were already doing this. The church was already showing favoritism. So James is like, well, guys, will you please stop? Especially if you're believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning, showing this kind of favoritism or partiality is inconsistent with the faith. It's inconsistent with the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ because he is the glorious king. He's the one seated on the throne. He is the light and the radiance of God. And I love how Paul says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8. says that the Lord of glory, saying that Jesus is the Lord of glory, the very embodiment of the divine glory in the presence of God. It's just absolutely incredible that this God Almighty came down to our filth in order to save us from death and from sin. And so if we are believers in him, there's no room for this kind of favoritism. Because in a sense, not in a sense, but in all reality, God doesn't show favorites between those who have tons of money and those who have no money. If anything, he probably leans a little bit towards those who have no money. Because he says, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Because he understands that the poor know that they need God, that they must have God, because they have nothing else. And as we look at this, I almost find it hard to say that we're even poor. (laughs) 
Like, I've been to the Himalayan mountains of Nepal. And, and sometimes as Americans, we go to these remote places and say, man, they're so poor, they have nothing. And they look at you and they're like, yeah, I have actually everything I need. You just have a lot. And it's like, well, I guess you're right. And so it's saying that God doesn't, doesn't have these favorites between uh, those who have a lot of resources and those uh, who do not. And so we see that, uh, that James is talking about this, really this example, and honestly, it might be a real example. Because it says, suppose a man comes in and he has these fancy clothes on, and you give him special attention. And then another guy comes in without fancy clothes, and you don't really give him any attention. Why would that be the case? Because right here it says that he walked into the synagogue, which means he practically walked into like a church service like this. Why would they show favoritism to him? Because he was an object of their attention so they could gain something from him. They're like, oh, this guy has fancy stuff. Maybe he'll give to the church more. So let's give him more attention. Oh, he has all these fancy clothes. Maybe he's a politician. Maybe if I get really close to him, maybe he'll help me out with this and this and this. But you see, that's not the case. And the question is like, what were they trying to gain? If they had, if they were believers in the glorious Lord Jesus Christ, didn't they already have everything that they needed? And that's a question for us. And, and, and what, I, what I find fascinating in here is that uh, when, I was, when I was doing some research on this passage, uh, one of the commentators was talking about how in the Greek, they said that this, this man with the gold ring and fine clothes, in the Greek it's called like gold-fingered, which I thought was fascinating. And, and they explained uh, how back in the day there was actually these particular shops that like sold rings that you could rent. Like you could rent gold rings so you could look rich. And I was like, wow, that's very interesting. And so they ran out these rings so it could be gold finger and walk around and be like, yeah, look how much bling I have. Check this out. Because apparently wealth equals power. Wealth equals what? And so this is what we see from here is that we should not show favoritism and, and treat uh, as someone who has more money with, with more attention and special attention. And here's what's interesting. I want you to look at... Uh, uh, Where's it at? I want you to look at verse 3. It says, If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, Here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, You stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with, the evil, judges with evil thoughts? So check this out. So this guy with really fancy clothes comes in and he has a seat. And in some translations it says footstool. So not only does he have a comfy seat, but he has a recliner. So he has a footstool. Okay, so this rich guy is sitting there, and they tell the poor man not just to sit on the seat, not just to sit next to him, not just to sit over there, but they say either stand or sit at the stinky feet of the rich guy. That's harsh. And then think about this. What does the Lord say the position of his enemies? The Lord says that, he, that the enemies sit at his footstool. Man, without communicating this, it's almost like this church was communicating that the poor were their enemies, sitting at the footstool of the rich. It's like, well, that, that's not the case. Like, what kind of discrimination is this? And so then we see that we should not be doing this because then we become judges with evil thoughts. You see, there's this whole interesting paradigm here because 
All of us without Jesus Christ are poor. We are poor without Jesus. We are the ones who need him because and we are spiritually poor, spiritually dead, who need the rich uh, Savior who is spiritually rich. We need him. And, and if you think about it, we, we can't do anything. We literally can't do anything to earn the love of God. We can't give enough money to earn the love of God. We can't read the Bible enough to earn the love of God. We can't attend church enough to earn the love of God. We literally can't do nothing to earn the love of God. We can't work hard enough to earn the love of God because God himself has already done all the work for us. It is by his grace that we are saved and it's extended by, to us by the work that he has already done. And so to say that, that you can work to earn the love of God is false because you know, what that, you know what that means? That means that love becomes a currency. Love becomes this thing of value that you can transfer for something else, and that's not the case. Love is not a currency. It is unconditional. Love is unconditional, and God has loved us unconditionally. And he wants our full attention, our full surrender, our full obedience, our full trust, our full life. And what God is telling us is don't distort the image of God. We are to honor and to show all people this dignity. You see, these questions that James asks are all these questions of saying, are not the rich treating you bad? He says, listen, in verse 5, he says, listen, my, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who he loved? But you have dishonored the poor. It says, is, is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Meaning, are they not the ones who are treating you really bad? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are accusing you of doing something you haven't done? Are they not the ones who are, are speaking against the name of Jesus? You see, they're treating this rich man with honor, with dignity, even though he, this rich man, these rich people are the ones that are, 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 are speaking against the Lord, are the ones who are speaking against them. And here's what's fascinating to me. Like when I, when I read that they're the ones that are dragging him into court and treating them terribly, Remember what Jesus said to Paul on the road to Damascus? He said, why are you persecuting me? And so Paul is on the road to go kill Christians, and Jesus stops him and says, why are you persecuting me? So we can see that, that these rich men were persecuting, in a sense, these poor individuals. And so in a way, they're blaspheming against the noble name of Jesus because they're persecuting those who believe in him. I can almost see, I can almost see uh, James saying, hey, whose side are you on? Are you on the Lord's side or are you on the world's side? Are you gonna follow the Lord and what he has said? Are you gonna, are you gonna humble yourself? Or are you just going to fall into the trap and become gold-fingered yourself? Because once we start elevating 
someone just because of their physical outward appearance, we begin to distort the image of God. Because God doesn't look at the outside. Doesn't it say that God looks at the heart of people? And so let's not distort the image of God by looking at something that God doesn't even look at. And so a practical thing I want us to get from here, an application from these verses is this, and it's, it's one, I, one of my prayers. I pray that God would open the eyes of our heart. That God would open the eyes of our heart. Because here we're talking about favoritism and partiality when it comes to uh, socioeconomic situations, when it comes to rich and it comes to poor. But there are some other ways in which humans have shown favoritism or partiality. They've done it with looks, and again, this is all outward appearance. We show favoritism depending on how you look, depending on where you were born, your heritage, where you come from, whether you're brown skin, white skin, black skin, red skin, yellow skin, green skin, purple skin. We do it by age. Sometimes we, we show this favoritism of like, oh, if you're younger, hey, man, you know everything that you're talking about. <laughs> and if you're older, well, you know this and this and this. There's this whole, though there's some reality to it, but we continue to show this favoritism saying, oh, we much rather this because of this. And then we see in this passage really clearly that we show favoritism because of wealth. And all of this highlights for us that we show this favoritism because of an outward appearance. And we all do it. So I'm going to just like share some stories of my personal life of where people have kind of either, um, this is why I say the Lord needs to open the eyes of a heart is because so many people have done things to me or, or, or just because of the way I look. And so here's, here's some funny stories. So you're welcome to laugh, okay? So if you chuckle and laugh, that's fine. So one or two Sundays ago, uh, I was going to Olive Garden to meet with the family and I, was, and I was walking in, I did the whole Misael thing. I walked in and I was like, what's up? And then the hostess was like, hey, how's it going? You know, how many? I was like, oh, I'm actually here just to see my people. I, I tell you that all the time. Hey, I'm here to see my people. And she was like, oh, oh, okay, like I know, I know who you're looking for. And I was like, you know my people? Like how do you know my people? Okay. So she's like, yeah, yeah, they're right over here. And I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. So I walk over, and, and, and she took me to this, like, brown family I've never seen in my life. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, guys, I don't know who they are. This is just crazy. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't mean to. And I was like, hey, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I just need you to know that when I say my people, like, I'm not talking about color or race or ethnicity. I just mean, like, my people. Like, you are my people. <laughs> so if I'm having lunch at Olive Garden with one of you, no matter what you look like, and I say I'm having lunch with my people, I'm having lunch with you, okay? That's what it's going like. Uh, there's, another, there's another instance where I was trekking the Himalayas of Nepal, okay? And I look Nepali. I really do look Nepali Tibetan. And we're trekking up. We're like, we've trekked, like, 200 miles up this whole mountain range, and uh, our whole team wanted a Sprite from this little place. And I was like, all right, cool, cool, cool. Let's just get a Sprite. So I was at the end of the line, just because I just so happened to be at the end of the line. And all my friends, just so you know, are white, just so you know. I'm just letting you know. So they're all paying. And the person up here is like, hey, $4, $4, $4. And I was like, man, $4 for a Sprite? All right, whatever. So then I get up, and I don't say a word, right? Because no one's really saying anything. They're just saying $4 because I don't know if that person is the only thing that they spoke is $4. But I go up, and in their language, and I'm, hope, and I'm glad they did this, the hand thing, and in their language, they said $1. It goes like this. And I was like, $1. Okay. 
<laughs> and it was funny because I asked our people, like, again, our people. I asked our, our trekking guide, I was like, why did I pay $1 and everyone else paid 4 They were like, oh, they think you're Tibetan. And I was like, they think I'm Nepali and Tibetan? They're like, yeah, so just don't talk. And I was like, okay, cool, 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 cool. So even in Nepal, the Himalayas in Nepal, they show this favoritism. And it's like, what? What is going on? Like, that is just a human nature thing. And it just comes from this, honestly, this, this sinful nature of, of just wanting to have these levels and these hierarchy kind of things. And honestly, if we're just honest with ourselves, we are all equal at the foot of the cross, you know? Like, God sees our heart. He doesn't see the outward appearance. He's like, I love you for who you are, for who God created you to be. And, and so all of these stories I tell you because in my own life, I've had to say, okay, God, what are my blind spots? What are my blind spots? Like, God, help me see the way that you see. Like, when someone walks in, help me not just see, like, them, but help me see who you've created them to be, their passions, their convictions, who they are. God, help me see with compassion. Help me see with dignity. Because when God, like when we are believers, when God the Father sees us, he sees God the Son who took our place. And he sees God the Holy Spirit who is in us. It's like, Lord, help me see the way that you see. And the way that we can fight against this, this sin that produces selfishness and this selfishness that produces favoritism, how do we fight that? Well, our whole whole battle really is we need to honor people in the name of Jesus. How do we fight this favoritism? Well, with honor. Honor in the name of Jesus, saying no matter what you look like, no matter where you come from, no matter what you just got done doing, I'm going to honor you in the name of Jesus. I'm going to honor you as his creation, as as his uh, possession, and and, and I want to be able to honor you with, uh, with how I give you my attention because I want us to be a church that no matter who walks through the doors, we honor them. We honor them well. And that's what we see in these verses. And so the next thing that I want us to see in verses 8 to 13 is this. Not only does favoritism distort the Imago Dei, but favoritism devalues the Imago Dei. Favoritism devalues the Imago Dei. So I'm going to read this again for us. In verse 8, it says this. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So here we're reminded of the two greatest commandments when Jesus was asked. He goes, what are the two greatest commandments? His response was, love the Lord your God. Love God. And he says, then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. So he talks about these two as the supreme law. And so if we're doing this, we are doing right. And you see, love not only covers a multitude of sin, but love 
also overlooks the superficial distinctions like we like to put on ourselves. Love overlooks these distinctions of wealth and of culture and of language and all of these things because it's that supreme law of, of loving. And we are to love one another. We are to love biblical teaching. We are to love Jesus. We are to love the one true God. And I'm so grateful that we know what love is as an action verb because we know who love is as a noun, right? Because Jesus is love. God is love. The triune God is love. And because we know who love is, we know what love is. And so we are to honor people of how we love them. And it's no, it's no, uh, it's no question that favoritism and partiality is sin. It is. It straight up says that it's sin. In verse 9, but if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as law breakers. When we show favoritism, we show partiality because of a physical outward appearance, that in itself is sin. And then when we continue to look, you know, I'm reminded of, of Leviticus 19.15. That says this, do not pervert justice. Do not pervert justice. Do not show favoritism or partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great. But judge your neighbor fairly. Judge your neighbor fairly. And you see, some of us, some believers, when we read this, we're almost like, what? What? How is it the case that if I break one law, I break all of them? Because in a sense, that doesn't make that doesn't make sense in our mind because it's like, what do you mean that if I get a speeding ticket, I've committed, I've, I've, I've broken every single law in the United States? That's, that's kind of what we're equating it to, but it's true and it's real because it only takes one sin to make you a sinner. It only takes one imperfection to make you no longer perfect. It only takes one disobedience to make you not obedient. So that is what we're seeing. And this is the law of God. And I think this whole thing illustrates to us this, that there's this false idea that there's actually no such thing as a good person. Right? We live in a culture so many times, it's like, well, I'm, I'm a good person. It's like, yeah, but you're still a sinner. You see, because the Bible is so clear that there is none that is good, only Jesus that is good. He's the only good shepherd. He's the only good pastor. He's the only good and perfect king. And all of this just shows us that. And we should keep in mind, it says right here in verse 12, it says, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law. That gives freedom. And so what does that mean? What does it mean that we're going to be judged by the law that gives freedom? This law right here is the gospel. We will be judged by the gospel because the gospel is the one that, that gives freedom, the one that gives mercy. And he goes, guys, remember that as believers, when you stand before the God Almighty, Jesus will be right here saying, I got their back. They believed in me. They trusted in me to be their attorney. So show them mercy. Because I promise you, when I stand in front of the Lord God Almighty, I'd be like, Lord, please have mercy on my soul, please. Please, like, I trusted in you. Mercy triumphs over judgment. He's like, remember that you will be shown mercy and have been shown mercy, so why not show mercy to those? 
please. That's, that's literally what James is, is talking about. And, and as human beings, James is, is highlighting right here. As human beings, we don't need God to play favorites between the rich and the poor, between this class of person and that class of person. We don't need God's favoritism. We need God's mercy. We need his love. We need his hope. He is the one that transforms us. And as believers, mercy, mercy should be one of those things that marks us. It should mark us as people who are walking with him, as people who are praying, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, to see people how you see them. But it should also lead us to pray, Lord, will you please open the ears of my heart? And that's the application of this right here. Lord, open the ears of my heart. Wednesdays on this campus has been crazy cool. But I want to tell you a story that might make you go like, oh. So a couple Wednesdays ago, I was saying hi to people coming in. And we've served like 100 plus families on Wednesdays. It's crazy. But this, this guy comes in and I've never seen him before. And he was with his dad. And I was like, dude, what's up, man? He didn't speak any English. So I was like, hey, que onda, como estas? Acabas de llegar. What I said is, hey, how you doing? What's going on? Did you just get here? As in like to the church. I didn't know if he'd been walking around or not. And he's like, yeah, man, I just got here. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Like, what, what time did you get here? He goes, no, 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 like, I just got here. And I was like, oh, to the church? He goes, no, 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 the United States. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Like, did you get here like two weeks ago, five weeks ago? He goes, no, yesterday. And I was like, yesterday? He goes, yeah, 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 yeah. He goes, look. And he begins to show me all these scars. And he begins to show me how like he has a little limp right now because he has, he's like hurting. He goes, I actually just jumped the train and, and crossed the border yesterday. But my dad is coming to learn English. And so I'm at the church learning English. I couldn't believe it. I was like, you're telling me you just got here from Mexico and now you're within the walls of our church. That is beautiful. And so in that moment to some of us, we would hear that and we would be like, well, what's going on? This and this and this, blah, 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 blah. Rather than hearing with honor and compassion and with mercy and hearing that and saying, man, you're in the walls of our church and now we get to share the gospel with you. Now you're in the walls of our church and we get to love you a lot. By the way, we teach you English. By the way, we give you the Lord Jesus. By the way that we help you out in these things. And look, some of us lean this way when it comes to what's happening at the border and some of us lean this way at what's happening at the border. But I'll be honest, at the end of the day, people are here. And they're looking for a compassionate ear to listen. To listen, to understand, not exactly listen, to respond. Because a lot of people are responding. And they're just looking for someone to listen and to lend an ear like the Lord lends an ear. And, and I'm reminded, I'm not exactly re remember right now where it says uh, this in the Bible, but 
Is it not true that we are to outdo one another in love? Is it not true that we are to outdo one another in honor? Understanding that King Jesus is still being glorified on his throne. And I want to outdo one another. I want us to be people who outdo one another in listening and in caring and in serving and in seeing and in hearing to where I don't hear that of what this man said and just turn him away. But I hear that and say, well, you're here as a person made in the image of God and I wanna love you and I want to embrace you because that's a reality in in our community. Our community is is 78% bilingual and some of them only speak Spanish and some of them only speak English. Some of them look like me, but they need people who will see them and will hear them. And my, in my prayer, if I, if I can just be a, a really honest pastor right now, if I can just be super honest, my prayer is that when we encounter people like that, we would not want to convert them to American before Christian. Because too many times we say, well, let's make sure they're American first and then they can follow Jesus. And it's like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Let's make sure that we are a people who says, you need your soul to be saved more than you need a citizenship. Because ultimately, isn't our citizenship in heaven with the Lord God? Ultimately, aren't we all united in him? You see, so we're not gonna be a people who show favoritism to this group of people or that group of people. Because in Jesus Christ, we are united. We've been bought with the same blood. We really have. And so let me ask you this question. What if, what if we prayed? What if we prayed that God would open the eyes and the ears of our heart? Not only to listen to people, but to truly see others because of the way we listen to them to see them for who they are in God. And I just, I can't say that enough. Because ultimately, when when we think about what happened 100 years ago, ultimately, when we think about what's happening right now and we look on our own hearts, at the end of the day, sin is the root of racism and favoritism. Sin is at the root of that. And one thing that we've talked about is that honor is at the root of reconciliation. So sin is at the root of racism and favoritism. Honor is, at, is the root of reconciliation. And then Jesus is the root of complete restoration. Jesus is the root of complete restoration. And so this is, this is my prayer for our church. This is what we see in God's word. And my prayer is that we would honor, we would honor people are made in the image of God with the way we see them, with the way that we hear them, the way that we love them. So let's pray together. God, I want to take a moment to to pray for Tulsa. God, I pray that 
we would not be advocates of cancellation, but we would be advocates of restoration. Lord, I pray that we would be a people, that we would be a church who vocalizes hope and peace in Jesus. That we would be a people who are leading the charge of how it looks like to honor people around us by how we listen, by how we see them. God, I'm so grateful for your word because it truly digs deep into our souls. Lord, I pray that you would continue to mold us and to transform us because you're the ultimate, ultimate good king. Thank you because you had mercy on us. Thank you that mercy does triumph over judgment. God, because we need your mercy. And Lord, I pray this morning that if there's someone in here, someone in here who just didn't know about the mercy of Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that you would continue to work in their heart. And Lord, if there's someone in here that just forgot about your mercies that are new every single morning, Lord, I pray that they would be reminded of that as well. God, challenge us, please. Lead us, guide us. You are the king forever. You are the good king. And Lord, you are always with us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that guides us. So as you keep praying, as you keep praying, I want to ask you this. What are the blind spots maybe in your life? And I want you to pray, Lord, would you reveal those blind spots to me just right now? Would you reveal that? Would you reveal where maybe I'm showing partiality? Maybe I'm not, but maybe I am. But like, God, I just... Would you just dissect my heart? Because I'm, I'm a sinner. You just dissect my heart. Lord, reveal the sin in my life, whatever that may be. And this morning, if, if you need me to pray for you, I would love to write down your name. And so if you want to raise your hand, I would love, love to pray for you this week. Lord, you are good and we praise you. And I pray for this time of response, Lord, that we would not leave this place without doing business with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.